This is Parsha Panorama, and this week's Parsha is Parsha Tetzava. Welcome back to the database. Yes, this week we are actually beginning the week with Parsha Panorama instead of closing out the week with Parsha Panorama. And though I would love to tell you the reason is that we are doing this in the spirit of Avino Hafachu as Purim as this week, that would not be a completely honest explanation. The real reason why we're doing this is because I want to give enough time and respect and attention to Parsha Tetzava. And I'm just, quite honestly, not sure where everyone's heads are going to be at the end of the week, as this Thursday is Tainus Esther, Thursday night is, is Purim already, and Friday, obviously, is going to be Purim. So, considering where you may or may not be, I would love to give you the opportunity to hear Pashtetzava earlier. And I'll mention, on the same note, that in most years... Parsha's Tetzava actually coincides with Parsha's Zachor, which was not the case this year. This year we had Zachor coinciding with Parsha's Truma. And contrary to what many other people might believe, I believe that there is plenty to offer, plenty to be said, plenty of lessons and plenty of interesting topics to be discussed in Parsha's Tetzava that I don't just sigh in relief when Tetzava coincides with Zachor because... Oh, great, I can talk about Zohar, which is an easy topic to talk about, instead of talking about Tetzaveh, which has some concepts that are a little bit less related to us. I'm going to hopefully demonstrate to you that there's plenty more to, to see in Parsha's Tetzaveh. And in Parsha Panorama, we try to cover all the grounds, and Be'ezra Hashem, that is what we're going to do. So let's talk about what Parsha's Tetzaveh is, maybe a little bit about what it isn't, or at least what it isn't quite. And we'll address some global questions as we normally do and figure out what is Tetzaveh on the map of the Torah, but of course also what Tetzaveh is in its components. So one of the big questions that I want to address is the question for which we titled this Parsha Panorama, namely, is Parsha's Tetzaveh just Parsha's Truma Part 2? Right, because Truma begins the conversation of the Mishkan, and Tetzaveh is obviously the continuation of that conversation. And it's also talking about things related to the Mishkan. And growing up, I thought that there are some years when Truma and Tetzaveh are a double parsha. Maybe some of my dear listeners um, have also thought that, but that's actually not the case. Truma and Tetzaveh are never together. But we always think of them as being together, and that is because they're both obviously discussing the Mishkan. And um, on that note, you'll notice that the beginning of the parsha just starts off with Yatat Tetzaveh, and you shall command. Now, who's who's you? You is referring to Moshe Rabbeinu. Hashem is talking directly to Moshe Rabbeinu. Clearly, this is a continuing conversation, right? We know that um, Chazal talk about the the erasure of Moshe Rabbeinu's name. There's a Balaturim who talks about it, that when Moshe Rabbeinu, in next week's Parsha, Parsha's Kisisa, says, that Hashem should erase Moshe's name from the, from the, from the Sefer, the book that he had written. So the, 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 the Mepharshim point out that Parsha's Tetzaveh was the Parsha. The previous Parsha was the one that Moshe Rabbeinu's name was taken from. And there's a, and, and the Rav, and the Shemi Shmuel, I believe, they all, they all have 
very um, brilliant explanations as to why Moshe Rabbeinu's name is specifically removed from Parshas Tetzaveh. In fact, I was actually mechavin to those two explanations, which are I think are basically the same. And that's going to be important when we understand what Tetzaveh, in fact, is about. Because Tetzaveh, as we're going to see, is not merely a continuation of Truma. It's not just Mishkan Part 2. And if you could think about the most noteworthy aspect of Parsha Tetzava, we'll see that the most noteworthy aspect of Tetzava speaks to what the entire Parsha is really, really about. So let's go into it. So before we begin to address the specific components of the Parsha, which in my list there are quite a lot, I want to go back to the, one of the questions that we left off with last week in Parsha's Truma. We mentioned among the many kalim that are listed in Truma, there are a couple that are missing. And you might argue between the two major kalim that are missing from Parsha's Truma, at least one of them deserves a spot in Parsha's Truma. So listen out for it, and you still have maybe another minute or so to guess what it is, but we are now going to go through the components of the Parsha, and by the time we get to it, so then you'll know, and then you'll have to find the other one, which is in next week's Parsha. But that said, we begin Parsha's Tetzava with the Shemen Lama'or, the collection of the oil for the light source of the menorah. Right? The, the, the oil obviously was used to kindle the Ner Tamid for the menorah. So that's the first thing that we have. This is the menorah. Uh, the oil for the menorah, which Aaron would light. Then, two, we have the Big Day Kahuna. We have the entire list of the Big Day Kahuna. The clothing, the, the priestly vestments, that which the Kohanim, who are serving in the, in the base of Megdash, in the Mishkan, this is what they would wear. And then the Chomish Lambrates. In section three, I have the Aphod and the Avnei Shoham. I put them together. Rashi seems to identify the Aphod as an apron, and the Avnei Shoham are the two shoulder stones that went on them. And the stones had inscribed on them, the, and engraved on them perhaps, um, the, the names of the Bnei Israel, really the, the, the Shvatim. We had, um, it was six and six. There were two Avnei Shoham, so six on each. The Shoham stone happens to also be the stone of Yosef on the Choshen, which, by the way, the next section, section four, is the Mishpatzos Zahav, the golden setting, and uh, which had chains, which also was the spot where the Choshen Mishpat, the breastplate of judgment, um, and the Urim and the Tumim and the Avnei Miluim, all of these things were part of the Mishpatzos Zahav. So we have the, the Avnei Miluim are obviously the beautiful stones that were um, set into the Choshen, and there was one stone for each tribe. And that's something that actually we're going to talk about a little later this week in, uh, in Musr Minutes. We have an interesting, and um, if I say so myself, a, a, an incredibly fascinating idea coming up which connects Tetzave and Purim, but not for now. Number five, we have the Me'il, the tunic which the Kohanim wore. And then six, we have... Sorry, well, I, I've been saying the Kohanim. What I should be saying is the Kohen Gadol. The Chumash begins um, with a big day Kahuna conversation with specifically the Kohen Gadol. And, the, and so the section number six is the Tzitz, the diadem, which had the words Kodesh Lahashem, um, again, inscribed or engraved on it, uh, which the Kohen Gadol would wear. Then seven... We go to the big day Kohen Hedyot. Um, in the same paragraph, though, the Chumash describes the garments that all Kohanim would wear when they were serving that were not the Kohen Gadol. So they wore Kutanos, which was a kind of tunic. Um, they had a Mitznefes, which was a kind of... Uh, uh, the Mitznefes, uh, the Avnetim, the Mikbaos, the Mechnesayim. So 
the um, so as I'm trying to remember which th- what, what each thing was. The avnatim were the belts. The megubos were kinds of hats. The mechnasayim were pants. I think the mitznefes was also the mitznefes was actually the special hat that the kohen gadol wore. So the megubos, uh, the megubos, I think, were the hats worn by the kohanim hedyo. So um, someone can please fact check me on that. Um, but in the meantime. We have um, the the basic list of the Kohanim's uh, the Kohan, the Kohanim headyot, um, what they would wear, and then we have in section eight we have the procedure for the investiture of the Kohanim, the Yemei Milum as they're referred to, all the karbanos they would have to bring, including the Minchas Kohen. Um, number nine, we have the Karban Tamid. So we have a description of the Karban Tamid. This would be the the uh, the inauguration of the Mizbeach. Part of the um, the uh, Han Chas, uh, the Han the inauguration of the Mizbeach would have to be actually doing an avoda on it. So the Karban Tamid is described here, and the Karban Tamid is obviously something the Kohen would do every single um, every single day. And then finally, section ten. And if you're waiting to guess what the final kli is, um, at least the one that I believe belongs in the Mishkan in Parshas Truma. So we have the Mizbeach Hazav, the golden altar. This is the also it's also known as the Mizbeach Hapnimi. It's the one that's inside the Heichal, um, as opposed to the uh, the Mizbeach Ha'ola, which is known as the Mizbeach Hachitzon, the outer Mizbeach, which is also uh, that's the Mizbeach Hanechoshes. Um, it's the copper Mizbeach, the one that, on which the Karbanos Ola were offered, or any um, really all the Karbanos that were offered there. This is as opposed to the Mizbeach HaZahav on which the Kitoras was offered by the Kohen once again. And the reason why this clay really belongs in Truma, if we can make the argument that, it, um, you know, that we probably should be making, is that it belongs in Truma, and that is because the, the Parshias the of the Mishkan go in order of the Kodesh HaKadashim all the way out. Right, so if you're saying if you're listing everything in the Kodesh, uh, in the Kodesh Hakodesh, and then you're listing everything in the Heichal, or also known as the Kodesh, so the Mizbeach Hazahav belongs on that list. Certainly more than Mizbeach Hanachoshes. The Chumash finished off Parshas Truma with a discussion about the Mizbeach Hanachoshes, and yet it skips right over the Mizbeach Hazahav, which has to wait until the very end of Parshas Tetzaveh. So that's something that we'll have to try to explain a little bit. And maybe something that might help is to understand what Parshas Tetzaveh is really about. So what, in fact, is Parshas Tetzaveh about? Can we, you know, pin anything down in terms of what it's about? And the simple explanation is that it's not just the Mishkan continued, but there's a concentration here on the Kohanim, or what the Ibn Ezra refers to as the Mishar Seha Mishkan the things which service the Mishkan. And if we uh, dip into the Ramban and the Sfarno, they talk about how Tetzava focuses on the kavod of the Mishkan. And we'll see why this is all significant. For example, in terms of the Ibn Ezra, how you explain um, why some of the topics that are in this Parsha are in this Parsha. For example, the Shem and Lama Or, the oil for the menorah, we would have asked, why is that in this Parsha? Doesn't that belong back in Parsha's Truma where the menorah was? Right, so the, the 
Ibn Ezra, maybe um, you know, even though he usually speaks all pshat, maybe this is being offered as a pshat that we might think of it as a drash. The Ibn Ezra says that the chumash is telling us what the mashar sehamishka need to be. They need to be pure, like the pure olive oil. And similarly, a kohen can't be a balmum. He can't be someone who's impure. And so the oil is not just a component of the menorah. But the oil is something that services the mishkan. It's, it's one of the mishar seha mishkan, and all mishar seha mishkan need to be pure. This kind of reminds me of the of the Rambam, who, um, who I mean, his uh, in his codifying of the Hilchos Kleya Mikdash. So I don't remember the exact lashon in Hebrew, but the lashon in English is the, the the vessels of the mishkan and that which serve in it. Um, and what it is he referring to? So all the halachos of the Mishkan, yes, or the Beis HaMikdash, rather, and the laws of Kohanim are in there. And so we see that that, that kind of sounds like a truma tetzave connection. Truma is the Klei HaMikdash. Tetzave is the things which service. Now, that doesn't fully explain the Mizbeach. We'll have to get back to that. But another explanation as to why you know, the, the oil for the menorah is in fact here and not next to the menorah. So the Ramban, also Ibn Ezra again, and the Rashbam, they mentioned that the contribution for the oil was not just a donation, but this was obligatory, this was mandatory. So th- it would not fit in Truma. Truma, which we said last week, focuses on the um, the um, separation of the, the Nadivas Halev, that which you give of goodwill and you elevate it yourself, that would not be an accurate um, explanation of the oil for the menorah, which in fact was a mandatory collection. It was not something that you gave out of goodwill. So that would begin a little bit to discuss what's happening here in terms of the role of Parshas Tetzave. But what we see, once again, is the concentration on the Kohanim, because what do, this, what do the Kohanim have to do with the menorah, for example? So the menorah, that was a special schus that was given to Aaron, a Kohen. There's the Midrashan that talk about Aaron's connection to the menorah, but Aaron was given the schus to light the menorah. Obviously, Aaron was the Kohen of Kohanim. Um, he was the, um, the Kohen Gadol. And what we are focusing on now, if you think about it, there's an extent to which you can put yourself out there, Parshish Truma, right? And you could say, I'm going to donate. I'm going to be connected. I'm going to, to step forward, and, I, and I'm going to give something. Parshish Tetzave is really less about that. Parshish Tetzave is more about the responsibility of those who are already, quote-unquote, invested. Not someone who is personally, um, you know, intrinsic, um, motivated, um, maybe intrinsically motivated, someone who decided on his own that he wants to take on more. But Tetzave is about those who have already been given the responsibility to have more and those who are being given the responsibility to do more. That is what it means to be a Kohen. To be a Kohen, um, you know, it means obviously um, being devoted to Hashem already, doing all the right things, but also being a Kohen in a certain sense is in your blood. Now, obviously, the Kohanim, as we know them, we're not always who the Kohanim are going to be. That's uh, more of a discussion for Parshas Kisisa when the Bechorim, who were supposed to be the Kohanim, lost the rights. But the point is that there are certain people, and this is what we learn in Parshas Tetzavah, there are certain people that are just holier. And this is going to be important when we get back to the global aspect of Parshat Tetzaveh, right? The larger panoramic view, not just of Tetzaveh, but as the, uh, the Torah at large. What is Tetzaveh doing? What's the mark of Tetzaveh on the Parsha? Keep that question on your mind as we elaborate further on this very fascinating Parsha. So 
continuing with the theme of Kohanim, Kohen Gadol, Kohen Hedyo, we talk about the menorah, we talk about what's next, the Big Day Kahuna, which, what is their purpose? The Chumash says, L'chavod l'sifares, for honor and for glory. These key words are going to be very important also, um, maybe in Muslim minutes later this week. The Muslim minutes might be a longer Muslim minutes, but I, I, again, I'm, I'm hyping it up and I think you should... Um, you should milk it for all it's worth when we get there. But what exactly does it mean? The purpose is for kavod and tefares. Going back to what the Ramban and the Sfarno said about the the whole aspect of parshas tetzava is not just being about the mishkan, but it's about the kavod of the mishkan. That the mishkan has um, it doesn't just have you know glorious kalim, but the people that serve in it are glorious, and that's why they wear glorious clothing. And more specifically, the Sefer Echanach says that what is the point? What is the purpose of the big day kahuna? The purpose is to influence the wearers. And more specifically, why do the Kohen Gadol need both the Avnei Shoam and the Miluim? So, you know, that, that's something that we're, gonna, that we're going to perhaps um, explain a little bit more in depth um, and why the Kohen had to wear its sits. Think about this. The, the tzitz says on it, Kodesh Lahashem. Who, who sees it? The Kohen Gadol is wearing it. And maybe other people in the Mikdash will see it, but the Kohen Gadol doesn't see it. So who is it supposed to influence? Is it supposed to influence others? Um, you know, the Kohen, you know, he, 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 he couldn't read the words Kodesh Lashem while he was wearing it. Um, and there's a lot to be said about what each aspect of the clothing of the Kohanim represent. But in more and more basic terms, the, uh, the whole aspect is, again, to, to influence the wearers. Whether we like it or not, we are influenced by the clothing that we wear. Some people say that you shouldn't judge the clothes, you should judge the person. And this is true, by the way, you shouldn't. Um, and you should. I, I, you shouldn't judge what they're wearing, and you should judge the person for who they are. This is all true. But people act, the people play the role. You know, they're thinking about what we wear um, uh, coming up to Purim time. But what, the clothing that you wear may, gets you fitted into your role. And if you're wearing Shabbos clothes, you're going to be thinking in terms of Shabbos. If you're wearing something that's more casual, you dress down. Right? So, I don't know, casual Friday or whatever it is in the, in the workplace. But whatever you're wearing, that, that's going to be reflective of how you're going to act. You just don't act the same way when you're wearing clothes versus when you're not wearing and when you're wearing certain kinds of clothes versus other kinds of clothes. And so, the Avni Shom, the Avni Miluim, there's a, there's a lot to be said about um, you know, uh, well, why you need both stones, right? The Avni Shom, the Avni Miluim, they both have the names of the Shvatim. But just to give you some maybe a- added symbolism, on, well, on the one hand, the Kohen wore on his shoulders, he wore the names of the Shvatim, and then he also wore it on his chest, right over his heart, which teaches us about the dual role of the Kohen Gadol, where he bears the weight and the responsibility of the Shvatim, of Klaistral, on his shoulders, Right, he carries them, he does all the things he has to do, he does the heavy lifting, which sometimes might come at the cost of your emotional investment. You're just drained, you're tired, you're doing all the work. But the Kohen Gadol cannot take a break from them being on his heart. Right? It's one thing to carry the weight, it's one thing to carry the burden, but it's another thing to actually have them on your hearts. Right, so the Kohen Gadol needs both. He carries their weight on his shoulders, but he carries them on his heart. And that sits, which um, also teaches him to be constantly conscious of, of, uh, of, of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, similar to our own tefillin, which you're supposed to constantly touch. You're supposed to be a mashmesh. You feel it, and you know that Hashem is there. The Kohen and Gadol is supposed to be, and all really the Kohen in general, and all of us, in anything that we wear that's connected to Kedusha, that's supposed to influence us. And 
So, going back to, you know, um, the other question that we addressed about the clear that's missing here, right, um, or the clear that was missing in the previous parsha, the Mizbeach HaZahav. So, again, why wasn't the Mizbeach HaZahav discussed in Truma? So, going back to the Ramban, the Sfarno, they both say something very fascinating, that, in fact, the Mizbeach HaZahav had a function that was altogether different from the rest of the Mishkan. We know from the Ramban, which we elaborated at length last week, talking about what exactly is the function of the Mishkan. We spoke about the Ramban versus Rashi versus the Ramban. We tried to tie them all together to explain them in a way that's coherent, because um, really I don't think any of the three opinions are wrong necessarily. Um, it was just a matter of well, you know what the emphasis is. There are certainly um, there there is a part of the machlokus that you can't really resolve and say that it's not a machlokus. There certainly is a machlokus happening there. But my point is the different symbolisms of the mishkan and basim mikdash I think are all true, and it's just a matter of Iker and tafel. But going back to what is the function of the mishkan, the Ramban says the whole point is the hashras hashchina. All the components that we find in Parshas Truma are about creating that hashras of shechina. The word mishkan is from the Lashon of shechina, the Lashon of shachin. It means a presence, it means a dwelling, it means a neighbor. And we are trying to create that. But says the Nirban, and says the Svarna very similarly, the Mizbein Chazav is apparently not about the hashras of shechina, but it's specifically about protection from the shechina. And it's about having kavod for the shechina. The Svarna has a similar sentiment. But the idea being that the Mizbeach HaZahav, the Ketores that's offered on it, is specifically designated, and I can't explain the mechanics of how it works, but the Mizbeach HaZahav is about expressing kavod. It's, a, it's an elevated level of anavoda, which ascribes kavod to the Shechina, and it serves as almost a protection from the Shechina, the overwhelming nature of the Shechina, which you can't get too close we're going to see in, in a bunch of weeks from now, when we, when we hit part of Sefer Vayikra, we're going to see people who get too close to the Shechina. And it happens in the context of, of uh, misuse and misappropriation of Ketoras. And the Azhara for that misappropriation is, a very, is right here by the Mizbeach HaZahav at the end of Parshat Tzava. Check out the Balaturim here, you'll see what I'm talking about. But in the meantime, it, that's, that's what it's about here. And part of the kavod, part of the protection from the shechina, is an understanding of the boundaries. And part of the boundaries is kohanim go here, everyone else go there. Right? So, uh, so this, this is what the parsha is about. This is about, a, it's, an, it's an elevated level. It's not just about the communal connection that we all have in Parsha's Shema, but this is about the elevated connection that only the elites have. And yes, there is elitism in the Torah, whether you like it or not. And we're, we're going to explain, and we're going to continue to explain exactly how this impacts us as a whole on the larger map of the Torah. Before we do, let's just get some other explanations for the placement of the Mizbeach Chazav. Based on the Ibn Ezra and Rashi, I would, um, who, who they highlight the Keser Kahuna, really Rashi highlights the Keser Kahuna, right? There are three Kalim in the Heichal, which had, or really uh, with, um, three in the three in the in the Mishkan, one in the Kodesh Hakadoshim, two in the Heichal that had a crown around it. The Aron had a crown, a Zer Zahav Saviv. That crown says Rashi is the Keser Torah. The Shulchan had a crown as well, which was the Keser Malchus, and the crown around the Mizbeach Hazahav 
is the Keser Kahuna. These three crowns can be found in the fourth parak of Pirkei Avos. I believe it's in the fourth parak. Someone fact check me, please. Um, but it's um, in Pirkei Avos, we talk about these four crowns. They're also alluded to in the Gemara and Yoma, I believe. But the, the point is that this is the crown of Kahuna, which, ah, wonderful. Connecting back to the theme that we've been talking about, that Parsha Tetzav is the Parsha of Kahuna. It's a Parsha that focuses on the role of the Kohanim. So that idea, the idea of the purity of the Mishar Mishkan, that no czar is allowed to come close and to offer the Ketores, right? You can't offer a Ketores Zara, an Eish Zara. Being there in this most pristine, the right place, but the wrong person, the wrong time, that's absolutely not okay. Because this is the Parsha of Kahuna. The whole investiture of the Kohanim is in this Parsha. The clothes of the Kohanim is in this Parsha. The menorah and the, and the, and the, the Mizbeach HaKetoras, which, again, these are avodos designated for the family of the Kohanim, all of that is here in Tetzaveh. Okay, so now that we understand, we could also talk a little bit about why Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not in this Parsha. Right? The, the Kahuna was, and this is what this idea again emerges from the Shemi Shmuel and, 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 and the Rav Salvechik, but the idea that Moshe Rabbeinu, although in his righteousness he said, erase my name from the Torah, we know there was a time where Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to actually back out from his mission. And it was at that point in time that Hashem, according to Chazal, stripped Moshe Rabbeinu of the rights to eventually be a Kohen, perhaps the Kohen Gadol. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu maybe had one, one, one uh, tekufa in history where he was able to serve as the Kohen Gadol, but that was going to be short-lived because that was uh, going to be um, transferred and transmitted to his brother Aaron. But what's the point? The point is that, of course, it makes sense that in a Parsha that's all about the Kahuna, which was stripped from Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe Rabbeinu had done the wrong thing. So even when Moshe Rabbeinu wants to be a hero, and rightfully so, and do the right thing, so Hashem takes it out of Moshe Rabbeinu's paycheck in Parshas Tetzaveh, which is fully, fully appropriate. So, now that we understand the makeup of Parshas Tetzaveh, I think that there should be no real doubt about what Tetzaveh is about at this point, as opposed to Parshas Truma. What I want to tackle right now is a question that I think is a recurring question in the Torah, and that is the question of this elitism, this question of the separation of holy spiritual powers in the Torah. And what are we supposed to do with this? And the answer, and, and maybe just to elaborate on the question before I get to the answer, in case you're not catching my drift, we have different levels. There are Kohanim, there are Levian, there are Yisraelim. And if you're a Yisrael and you're looking at this parsha. Um, and you're petty, or even if you're not petty, but you just want spiritual elevation, you can't help but feel that you're getting the shorter end. And maybe the answer is, well, listen, your ancestor just has to be better and not serve the ego. I mean, I guess that's part of it, but what if you're a, what if you're a descendant now and you don't really have a choice? You can't really do that. You can't fix that. So one thing that I always like to say is that if you want to be a Nazir, you could have the same level of Kedush as a Kohen Gadol. So anyone who wants it, and even if you're a woman, by the way, a woman who's feeling like you're getting the shorter end in all of Yiddishkeit. So, um, you know, we, we could have a much longer conversation, which probably is necessary. And we've had similar podcasts in Real Talk Torah in the past. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a nice full session with you if you'd like. Um, and there's actually much more to be said. Um, um, if, you, if you just... Um, Wait out, look out for some of the Purim content we have coming out. There's plenty to talk about in terms of the, of, of the masculinity, femininity, 
um, discussions in Torah. But anyone who wants to can have the Kedusha of a Kohen Gadol, you just become a Nazir. It's not recommended, but you know you, um, you can do it. You know if, if you so you know if you so insist. But that, that that speaks a little bit to this this concept of the fact that there's a separation of powers, and there you know men have more responsibility than women. Kohanim have more responsibility than Levi, and Yisraelim, and Yisrael has more responsibility than an Anjou, a Ben a Ben Noach. And we have different kinds of Bnei Noach. You can have an Eved Kenani who's actually on a higher level than a regular Nochri. Something that we spoke about in also Real Talk Torah um, back in Parshish Mishpatim. Please go back and listen to that one too. But for now, we have this concept of the separation of powers, the spiritual hierarchy, and the question is what do we do to relate to that? And how does this speak to, once again, the larger conversation about Parshish Tetzave on the map of the Torah, the panoramic view that we always try to hit and the idea is simple enough, as we've hopefully been able to make it by this point. Hashem created a world with the intention of bestowing the greatest, and the greatest good, the ultimate good on mankind. And of course, mankind dropped the ball, and so Hashem started it again with one nation. And this one nation, we know from Parshas Yisro, is the Mamlechas Kohanim Egoi Kodesh. We are all Kohanim, actually. But even within us, there are spiritual levels. And there are people who can seize more spiritual power, whether by becoming a Talmud Chacham and a, and, and a Gadol. These are things that you can do with your own body and your own thoughts and your own actions to become on a higher level. If we can once again um, bring up the model of the Nazir, you don't have to become a literal Nazir to take on higher levels of Kedusha. But there are certain aspects that, in a sense, run within the family. And maybe for no other reason other than the fact that you're in this family, but now you have higher responsibilities to live up to, this should be humbling for all of us, honestly. That Hashem actually separated the powers. It's funny, people might think to be jealous and envious of someone else who has, you know, a higher spiritual level. You realize the, the certain sense of arbitrariness, if that's a word, to the separation. You know, Hashem decided who was going to be born a woman, who was going to be born a guy, who was going to be born a Kohen, who was going to be born Yisrael. You could have been born anywhere in any circumstance. The fact that you were born into this family, not to that family, wealthy family, poor family, doesn't really matter. The fact that you are born to this family is not a statement about how great you are, honestly. It's just a statement about opportunities and privileges that Hashem has decided to give you. Yeah, it's a, we're talking about privileges here. But, Every privilege in spirituality that we're gonna that we're gonna talk about does not come without responsibility, and it just means that you have more work to do, and it means that you have more rules and more restrictions. And for some reason, Hashem decided that you're going to be in the family that's going to be an inspiration to other people beneath you. So, like, like anyone to be jealous of anyone else, uh, you know, it's kind of again, it's kind of silly and arbitrary. Hashem decided the separation. If you want to take on more, you can, but you know you, you realize you're not getting as many more privileges as you are getting responsibilities. But that's what it means to be Hashem's mamlechas kohanim, in, 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 in a broader sense. And in fact, one of the things that we keep on mentioning is that Hashem did not just intend for one nation, one family, to get all of the good that Hashem has to offer to the world. Hashem wants to bestow that good onto all of the, the nations of the world. All of the people of the world are Hashem's children. And obviously, the bad ones are going to get weeded out. 
but the good ones who attach themselves to Klal Yisrael, either by subjugating themselves um, and, and by serving Klal Yisrael. You know, we, we mentioned the model of an Evakinani. You know, he can serve a Jewish family and receive bounty through that. But we are the pipeline through which the world gets blessed. And even within the nation of the Bnei Yisrael, you have a higher level called Kohanim and even a Kohen Gadol, who is an even stronger and closer pipeline. But what this shows you is that there's always a concept of, of, of getting closer. There's always a concept of attaching yourself to higher levels of Kedusha so that you can attain the greater pleasure that Hashem has to offer in the world. But that's what Parshas Tetzave is. Parshas Tetzave is that humbling reminder that even with every goodwilled contribution that you're going to make to Ruchnes and Parshas Truma, there's always going to be a natural separation. And again, you could always take on more Kedusha. You may or may not be willing to do that. And again, we may or may not recommend that you do that. But this, once again, is the reminder that there are, there, there are partitions, there is a spiritual hierarchy, and for better or for worse, each person is placed where they are. And ultimately, that's up to Hashem. You know, what you are going to do with the level that you were placed on, that, that, that's, that's what you should be prioritizing. That's what you should be preoccupied with. You know, not, oh, why aren't I on that? Uh, you know, why wasn't I born to that family under those circumstances with that level of Kedusha? Focus on, you know, where are you right now? What's your role right now? And how can you attach yourself to something even greater? And that, 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 that I believe, is, is one of the takeaways from Parshas Tetzave. And hopefully, you know, that gives us something to think about going into this week, which, once again, is going to be a packed week with, um, and for the database with a lot of Purim content. Hopefully you have something to think about for Parshas Tetzave. And then next week, we have an incredible um, Parsha um, a difficult Parsha, Parsha's Kisisa, where we're going to see what happens to the progress that we've made um, in, this, uh, in this larger panorama of the Torah and in history and in our becoming Hashem's Mamlechas Kohanim. How will we do with the responsibilities that Hashem has given us with the incredible privilege that Hashem has given us as a nation? Will we be able to hold up the responsibilities with the privileges? Or do we need more work? So... We'll talk more about that next week. But in the meantime, that takes us through Parshat Tetzave. Looking forward to seeing you back here at the database. And have an absolutely wonderful week, a wonderful Purim, and a wonderful Shushan Purim, the Shabbos with Parshat Tetzave, and everything wonderful.